This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's 12 o'clock and you're on ORFM Dunedin. Over the next hour, we take the pulse of Ōtipoti Dunedin's creative scene. Interviews and commentary on theatre, dance, music, the visual arts and more. Welcome to Arts Hub. Kia ora koutou. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Arts Hub this Thursday, the 5th of August. Today our first guest is Sonia Lacey, Dunedin Public Art Gallery visiting artist. The project is supported by Creative New Zealand Toy Aotearoa and project partner Dunedin School of Art. Then we'll hear from Kate Schrader, broker for the Dunedin Dream Brokerage, who will talk a little about the dream, and David Green, whose installation is the latest collaboration with the Dream Brokerage. Sonia Lacey is a New Zealand artist based in Wellington. She works with a range of media, including performance, video and installation. Her work has been curated into programmes at institutions including the Singapore Centre for Contemporary Art and the London International Film Festival. She has just spent 12 weeks in Otipoti researching her project Totally Dark, which opens on Saturday at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. She's also a finalist in the Walters Prize for Contemporary Art for 2021. Congratulations for the Walters um, and welcome, Sonia. If I may, I'll read this text from the Art Gallery's website first in order to put my um, question in context. So this is the quote. Sonia Lacey's research-led practice often looks to historic reference points, moments that are anchored to a specific site, time or context. These are then interrogated and explored within a contemporary framework. So that's the end of the quote. In your 12 weeks of research, what appealed to you most about Ōtipoti Dunedin? Did you focus on such historical events as the gold rush or the story around Quarantine Island? Or am I way out and was it something quite different to this? (laughs) Hi Linda, thanks very much for having me. Um, Yeah, you're right, that's how I usually approach projects. Um, There might be a specific site or an anecdote that draws my attention and then I'll tend to sort of extrapolate that into the exhibition. Um, But one of the things I wanted to do in in particular here was to use this residency as an opportunity to open up my approach and sort of test out different strategies for making shows and um, to take a few risks with my process. Um, so I tried to change things up a little bit this time around and um, as you said the residency was 12 weeks in total Um, but uh, I was so grateful to the art gallery um, who allowed me to split the residency into two chunks of time so I had six weeks in Dunedin in spring about six months where I went home and thought hard about what I was doing and then and then um, another six weeks um, in winter um, and that's really what enabled me to um, think quite differently about how I make work this time. Um, yeah so this the first chunk of time I spent um, exploring quite broadly um, both art-wise and the city because I haven't really spent a lot of time here. Um, yeah so uh, so I got a feel for the geography. I did a lot of bike riding around the wider region um, and started sort of tentatively making um, toward toward the final project without having a solid sense of what that might be yet. Um, but my apartment, that my accommodation that I was living in, um, 
was very interesting. It was out the back of the gallery. There's a the chapel, which has been turned into a into apartments. So they're sort of like apartments built within a church. And so I was living with um, all these beautiful stained glass windows, and they were sort of colouring, you know, cut, putting these casts of colour all through my apartment. And um, I started thinking about what it meant to be like living. Uh, what it meant to be living in the, the inside these kind of colour casts, which are um, you know unusual wavelengths, and that's actually what ended up kind of kicking off my investigation. And um, I started looking into the way sunlight affects circadian rhythms, and in particular the way our um, the way that the body experiences what they call um, a circadian drift of 11 minutes if we can't calibrate our internal body clocks to the sun. So the show that I've ended up making is kind of structured around this um, body day length of 24 hours and 11 minutes, so a day length that's defined by our internal physiology rather than chronology. And um, to that end, one of the works um, I actually shot inside, I filmed inside um, New Zealand's only time isolation unit, which is a crazy, I'd never heard of this term before, but it's um, it's actually a test apartment that's built inside a university science department and it's set up to be insulated from sound and light and any other ways that um, you can sort of synchronise your internal clock. Yeah, so that's that's... Goodness. That's probably how, how Dunedin really kind of set off my ideas a little bit, yeah, set things in motion anyway. Is that at our university? It's not. It's actually, it's actually at Massey University in Wellington. So um, that's the only one that there is in New Zealand. So I went, um, so after, after I spent the spring here, I went away and I did this research and I found this place. Um, which is actually decommissioned, so it's about to be pulled apart. So was, my timing was just, I was so lucky. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit like, um, I'm thinking of the um, of the series, um, Ab- Absolutely Fabulous, oh. where, where one of the two um, has this um, area that she, it's like a little kind of a closed-in boat full of water. And so she, she hops inside it and then she pulls a lid across so it's completely black. I guess you'd hear water sounds, but it, w- <laughs> it would be even more different to that. It, it's sort of like that, but also completely opposite to that. <laughs> it's um, Imagine, um, like, when I was in there, I was reminded quite a lot of all the apartments that I ever lived in in Auckland. You know, I used to live in Auckland. So it's a, you know, it's a small place kind of renovated maybe in, I don't know, the late 90s or something. So it's these funny off-brown colours. And um, except it's got this crazy, so no windows. So it's very sci-fi. And this light, which is entirely just panels of fluorescent light which is daylight calibrated and they're entirely programmable so there's a circuit set up and um, a computer which you can control everything so um, your example of the boat sounds really lovely and (laughs) in comparison this was uh, quite claustrophobic and Mm. 
Mm. You could go absolutely mad in there. Interesting. Yeah. And so you stayed in there for a certain amount of time and you sort of um, fiddled with the calibration and experimented a little and found out how long it took you to then re-establish your connection with the sun? I was basing that um, information on studies that had been done in the department and internationally. So I relied quite heavily on um, science research papers for that um, because the facility is no longer in use. I wasn't really able to kind of bed myself in there for too long, but um, long enough to film the work and, um, yeah... Well, um, that is going to be a very interesting part of your exhibition, I know. Um, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll be seeing that on Saturday. Um, so I think you've pretty much answered the other question I was going to ask you, which was um, process. And so the idea of your ideas brewing over that period of time. Um, and because you spent some time in spring and some time in winter, um, you would have had differing ways of thinking about artwork maybe because I'm not very aware of circadian rhythms but I would imagine that you have a shorter day in the winter and therefore your body reacts in a certain way yeah yes and Dunedin is so noticeable the day length is so short in winter and so long in summer so um I think when you're on a residency, one of the special things, I guess it's like when you're a tourist in a foreign country in some ways, you know, you you are out of your daily routine and your, you know, your daily kind of grind and you, um, you're suddenly, your awareness of your body in an environment is so much more heightened. And so I, I spent a lot of time kind of reading and writing um, and... Um, yeah, I was I was very much aware of those the day, the difference in day length from you know further up north where I am. Yes, um, some of those long long evenings that where you don't see the sunset till it feels like ten thirty. Yes, um, you it's know, amazing. I feel sorry for parents. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and yes, in the winter time, you know, heading off to work in the dark and coming home in the dark, you. Yeah. Um, it's certainly nothing like what my son told me about the experience of winter in London where oh, yeah. um, he suffered well, from SAAD, yeah. uh, where there was just so little sunshine. But um, it's reckon... No, the weather's better here than winter oh, in London, I is think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's brighter. Yep. Okay, well, that's But the day length, good. I would say, is quite similar. Okay, yep. yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so um, oh, that's very interesting. Um, so if you've just joined us... Um, I'm talking to Sonia Lacey, visiting artist at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, whose exhibition Totally Dark opens on Saturday. Sonia's also a candidate for the 2021 Walters Prize in Contemporary Art. Sonia, um, I note that you use a variety of media, ranging from newspaper through to moving images in your work, um, and that you have a strong interest in communication. Could you elaborate on the materials you've used in artwork, not just in Totally Dark, although that will be really interesting, but in other exhibitions and your work generally? And as part of this, could you talk about a little about the new metal typeface you discovered at the New Zealand Printing Museum? I think that's really fascinating. Um, I used to work at the um, Star when it was the evening newspaper in Dunedin for ah. quite a lot, and of course there was the liquid lead 
that was put on the um, type machines um, as well. But that method of printing has disappeared in the 21st century. So it was quite. It'll be quite interesting to hear what you did with that work um, using that typeface that you did in Christchurch. Oh, Wellington. Wellington. Yeah, the um, foundry. Uh, there's an incredible um, type and print. So it's a it's a printing machine museum and a working type foundry. One of the only ones, I think, the only one in at least the southern hemisphere. One of the only ones in the world. And it's nestled in the middle of nowhere, over the hills and to, between Upper Hutt and the Wider Upper, and it's kind of inside this um, old World War Two artillery. <laughs> so it's a thick Goodness. concrete bunker. It's very atmospheric, and inside there, they're, they're, um, they've got an incredible library of monotype. Um, they call them matrices, the the moulds that they cast the type into. Um, and they're still making, you know, making type for people and sending it around um, the southern hemisphere. At least, um, you know, it's very niche the letterpress, but um, you know, people want it for certain certain people want it for certain projects, I suppose. And it's very hard to get other than with these guys. Um, so I had the best time working with them. It was amazing. Um, I didn't actually discover the typeface. I, I made it from scratch. So, oh. Yeah, it's the only time a uh, new metal typeface has been made um, in the last 50 years or so. Congratulations, um, that's amazing. <laughs> it was a real process. I actually ended up working with a fire en- like a, um, an engineer who manufactures parts for fire engines to make the brass <laughs> matrices. They were the only people who could make it precisely enough because you know like the technology is just kind of lost and um some of the simple ways that things were produced a century ago um, are no longer viable so anyway these guys helped me out and um I the typeface was in existence but it was only it only existed as paint you know pen drawings um it was designed by David Kindersley in the 50s um and it was designed for um when cars started traveling quite fast um, on the motorways they couldn't they needed new road signs um, so that the type could be read at speed so he he did some research into um, reading at speed and came up with this very idiosyncratic quite you know charmingly ugly um, typeface and so I I, uh, I produced that in metal type um, and then ended up um, corroding it with um, lead uh, lead oxide, so it was sort of this. Uh, it grew crystals all over it, and was this quite toxic, um, quite toxic metal typeface, lead typeface, um, and that's how I showed it in the exhibition. Um, but I often, uh, like with the project in Dunedin, that work I made this. I went through this kind of elaborate process of making that typeface, and then it ended up as a video. So I, I often set up these sort of translation events, um, these kind of chains of translation which open the work up a little bit, abstract it a little bit and kind of let something else into the work that is a bit um, outside of what I can possibly kind of come up with in my brain or something. The medium does a bit of the work for me in that sense. So sculpture and moving image will often appear together and feed into each other in my projects, which is what 
that will be happening here in Dunedin. So you're kind of an alchemist, really. Oh, I wish. (laughs) I've been spending so much time for this project in science labs. It's been an absolute dream. I've been in chemistry labs turning... um, newspaper ink that I sourced from the ODT down here into ballpoint pen ink and I've just been oh, I, I think I missed my calling I wish I was a chemist I think <laughs> that is totally fascinating it really is and while you've been doing this research and other research for projects I would imagine you get into the strangest places you do what a privilege <laughs> right like Talking yourself into these places and then, you know, like you just say, I'm an artist and they don't understand why you might be interested, but they're like, okay, sure. <laughs> the magic word. The magic <laughs> yeah. word. That's quite cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and so for um, Totally Dark, how many pieces did you end up making for that? Is mm. it uh, sort of like kind of um, an installation type mm. with various aspects to it or are some of the works definitely separate from each other? Oh, a bit of both. Um, it's a, there are two two-channel moving image works, one's shown digitally and one's shown on 16mm film. Um, there's a large kind of architectural sculpture um, and and another sculpture which is sort of furniture based in the gallery and then there's the off-site project at um, an artist-run space called Favour and that's um, on Princess Street Um, and there's another work, a few works in there as well. So it's they're sort of distinct works but they work together as an overall installation as well. That's very interesting. And whereabouts on Princess Street would we find favour? I'm not sure if I know. Oh, I can't remember the actual number on Princess Street, but mm. it's it's um, it's it? inside. There's a florist called Miss Reed. Oh yes. And it's um, the the gallery is within the florist. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, yes, I remember Miss Reed had moved from the Octagon out yeah. to Princess Street. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting for the listeners to know about as well. So next time that you uh, happen to be wandering down Princess Street, listeners, pop into Miss Reed and just have a look at those two pieces that are outside of the gallery. That'd be quite good. Quite interesting that you have chosen to do something off-site as well. We have had a few artists from the, the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, but not many, who have had work outside of the gallery. And it's quite nice. It incorporates the community a little more as well. Mm. Mm, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's that's really quite a cool it's just, thing. It's such a special little gallery, you know, like with it, with all these plants around. And I, I had an existing work which. Um, it's called Chlorophyll Script, and it's a piece of writing that I did, um, which ties in very nicely to the main show in, in the Dunedin Art Gallery. Um, and because of this plant, you know, all the plants and the, the florist, mm-hmm. it just sort of worked quite perfectly. And so did you do a little experiment with chlorophyll to get that? <laughs> no, no chlorophyll, no chlorophyll needed. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's the... Um, ink. It uses the ink that I made, the ballpoint pen ink that I made from the ah, newspaper ink. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
very interesting. Um, the word chlorophyll has so many connotations; it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. really good. Um, well, um, I think I can't think of anything else that is sort of staring me in the face about questions. Um, so the show is opening on um, Saturday, but um, one of the curators told me that you will be going flying out on Sunday and coming back to give a talk. Yeah, I'll be flying out on Saturday morning, actually. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and coming back uh, early September for a talk. Fantastic. So um, we'll be looking forward to that. And it'll be really interesting for you to actually come back and see all of your work with fresh eyes. Um, that would be quite something else again to, you know, to think about how you does this sort of thing happen to you? Like, you know, you go to a place where you have made some work and it's still in situ and you look at it and think, you know, my goodness, I, I did that. <laughs> Something like that. Or mm. it, it's very hard to leave it anyway, when, you know, <laughs> once, you, once you've set it up and if you have to leave so early, um, yeah. You, you do want to spend a bit of time with it by yourself and all going and, yeah, you get... You feel very attached to it. <laughs> yes, for sure. Mm. That's for sure. Um, well, I think that um, unless you have other things that you would like to talk to me about, that's pretty much us uh, for now. So, um, so listeners, um, well, first of all, thank you for being on the show. And um, I was going to ask you a question about which season you were here, but of course you did come in early in spring and then in winter, so you got a good taste of Dunedin. Yeah. I hope you had a great time here. Sure did. Uh, excellent. Yes, um, it's my adopted home now, and um, I do like it very much, although it's a bit colder than Auckland um, and, and Wellington, actually. Um, but, yes, so thank you so much uh, for being on, this, on the show, uh, Sonia, and all the best for the Walters. We'll be thinking good thoughts for you. Um, and so, listeners, this exhibition, um, Totally Dark, opens on Saturday, and um, Sonia will be back in September. And so, make a note that you might just check the website at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery for that talk in September. Thanks so much. Thanks, Linda. We're going to have some music now from The Clean, a good Dunedin band. It's called Getting Older.
Public Art Gallery, art in the heart of the city. From exhibitions of works from the gallery's own collection to the best of local, national and international shows, there's always something to inspire and challenge. Dunedin Public Art Gallery in the Octagon is open every day from 10 till 5 with a free children's play space and a great gift shop with the best range of cards in town. Check out dunedin.art.museum for a full list of exhibitions, events and activities. Kia ora koutou. Welcome to those listeners who've just joined us on today's Otago Access Radio Arts Hub. I have with me in the studio Kate Schrader, broker for the Dunedin Dream Brokerage, who'll talk a little bit about the dream, and David Green, whose installation is the latest collaboration with the Dream Brokerage. Kate Schrader has been broker for the Dunedin Dream Brokerage since 2018. The brokerage has as its umbrella organisations the Otago Chamber of Commerce and the Otago Polytechnic. Funding is provided by Aratoi, Dunedin's arts and culture strategy. Kate is a full-time arts administrator and producer and occasional actor. Today she will overview the changes that have been made to the Dream Brokerage since it arrived in Dunedin. When it arrived it was the Urban Dream Brokerage which was overseen by Wellington-based Letting Space. Kate will also talk with artist David Green about the current collaboration, Bruno's Thin Skin. David Green is a Dunedin artist and a lecturer in electronic arts at the School of Art, Otago Polytechnic. His first project in collaboration with The Dream was in 2017, titled 1954, which featured footage of the Queen's visit to Dunedin. The second was in 2019, titled Time and Tide, and was a geographical celebration of bodies of water in New Zealand. All three installations have had moving image components. So welcome to the um, Arts Hub, Kate and David. Kate, I wonder if you could give me a bit of an overview of the history and the smart new look um, and website of the Dunedin Dream Brokerage. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so DDB has been around since, well, I think you said 2015. Um, and as you say, back then it was Urban Dream Brokerage Dunedin. So we were kind of the um, the offshoot of the Wellington um, that they were like the, the OG, the original um, brokerage. And so that was a really amazing way to start. And then in 2018, they shut down um, the operations for a time. They're actually back now, which is a really cool Good. little update I can share. Um, so, yeah, it's really great to have our like older sibling back running up in Wellington. Um, but they there was an opportunity to keep it running in Dunedin because it was going so well. And so we took that opportunity and partnered, as you say, with the Chamber of Commerce and then the um, Otago Polytechnic um, as our umbrella orgs. And in some senses, it really hasn't changed that much, the model. Um, I guess the main difference is that we're very Dunedin-focused um, and quite responsive to the needs of our community. We've tried to kind of flex... Um, you know, uh, take on projects that we see, uh, like the community are crying out for, different creative communities. Um, but other than that, it's actually running kind of the same. Um, we do have a new look, though, um, and it's quite jazzy. Um, so that was designed for us a, a year or two ago by a really talented student of the Polytech, Alicia Beatty. Um, and that was like a big consultation process where she came up with our new like look and feel with the green zigzag and our awesome um, neon sign by Glowjob, which is really, really cool. I'm really proud of it. Um, yeah, great, great and a cool website. Excellent. Mm. That sounds fantastic. Um, I think 
you know, I always keep an eye on what have have in the past of what is happening um, with the brokerage. So I'm just so pleased that it's continuing. Thank you, um, David. Um, your installation, Bruno's Thin Skin, opened on the 29th of July at 343 George Street. Um, this is the third project that the Dream Brokerage has undertaken in collaboration with you. I visited the two earlier works, and I just haven't had time, so I wonder if you could describe this current video installation that focuses on the work done by environmentalist Bruno Latour on the world's thin skin. Right. Um, <clears throat> well, it's, it's you know, right next to Modex and right across from Kiki Beware there. Um, and what, I, what I've been doing um, for the from my second project and this project is actually projecting uh, out into the street and towards the street to kind of open up um, the artwork into um, street reception. So I'm also using the upstairs windows. And so you can, you know, there's sort of an inside view and an outside view uh, in this case. Um, so when you come in, wh- and what you see actually is some microscopy that I was able to do through Mark Schallenberg in zoology, and with the help of Sally Carson in uh, in the marine biology unit, where um, samples were collected from the harbor of um, zooplankton, and uh, and then I was able to film them uh, in zoology. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just lovely little animals that you can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're projected out and through the glass and, and on the windows uh, in front. And they're behaving in a way that is quite remarkable. I mean, you, you actually see animal behavior in these, in these animals that are kind of the size of the point of a pin. You know, the only way you really see them with your naked eyes because they, they tend to hover around each other so you see this little cloud of points you know so it's it's video work it's video work live yeah. little planktonians um, well they were they you know they they are alive i hope i mean i returned yeah. them but <laughs> <laughs> i filmed them before i returned yeah. them um, great that's yeah. great yeah. yeah um so they're lovely and it's all you know all the images that i'm showing um are local uh, you know, bodies of water, bodies of water on, um, you know, on our island mm. um, around the place. And, um, and then the one exception is satellite footage uh, from NASA uh, that I'm, I'm using as sort of a centerpiece uh, uh, in the middle of the exhibition. And the idea really is to throw out, it's to throw, throw um, you know, throughout in the sense of present or represent this concept of the earth in the manner that um, Bruno Latour has been uh, forwarding. Um, and a number of scientists have been trying to uh, uh, make clear, which is that really we live in this biofilm that surrounds, you know, a big rock. And um, the space of all living animals is, you know, a couple kilometers up and down uh, on this very thin skin that surrounds, you know, the earth. So we think Mm -hmm. about the earth as this robust, big, tough ball of dirt, but Mm -hmm. in fact, it isn't. And, um, and in fact, we live on the skin of a bubble. And so when you when you realize and you think about living on the skin of a bubble, it sort of changes your relationship with the uh, the environment that we live in, you know, and and the realization that this is where all life exists in the universe, as far as we know, right? It's all here, and it's very delicate, and it's very ticklish, you know. To quote Latour, 
Yeah, and um, so when you um, walk into the space, you get the idea that you're seeing the depths of the depths and the height of the height. Yeah. So you're actually within that that um, bubble. That's right. That's right. And you see, and you see skin. You know, I'm, I'm using skins as ways of um, uh, um, showing, amplifying certain. Um, elements, certain fragments of what this what this bubble contains, you know, what this skin contains. Mm. Um, so a lot of it is motion, you know, mm-hmm. it's motion more than form, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a way right. that's kind of uh, that's expressing the idea of life. Really interesting. Um, and so you say moving it out onto the street is it's coming through the doors that you will have open yeah. and the windows and through the glass so so there's glass doors that I'm projecting through yeah um and then oh, okay. and, right and so so then when I project so for instance these um these crab larvae Mm. are projected onto the sides of buses and onto cars and mm. Mm. you know it's yep. and and it it sort of and because you can you can see it from across the street pedestrians who are not, you know, um, opting in, let's say, necessarily for engaging with an artwork, are suddenly going, what is, why is this in my mm. purview, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and so it's, it's quite nice because um, for some people it's an exciting thing, you know, to see that kind of thing. But, of course, you go, why is that there? What is that? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So, um, so it opens it up to kind of a non-art audience, so you're not just sort of talking to... Um, people who are primed for this kind of thing, but rather people who are seeing it in this other context. Right, and also, of course, there's that whole environmental issue as well, which not just artists, but everybody is well aware of. That's right. Now, you may reject it and you may accept it, but there it is for you Mm. at 343, George. And Mm. um, so have you had a lot of people come through? Yeah, yeah, hundreds and hundreds. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's been really, really good. And um, and again, and, and like hundreds and hundreds more who are seeing it, seeing it on the street, commenting, and don't know you can come in. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's really, that's just the people who have come in, mm. right? Um, so, yes. yeah, yeah, no, it's... It's good, and and again, it's 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 um, the idea that you can sort of change if if you know help change the the concept of the earth and and sort of create and and have this fragile image and this responsive image of it, you know, to sort of change the way. Uh, hopefully, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I think people so. are thinking of it. Yeah. yeah. So if you've just joined us on Otago Access Radio Lunchtime Arts Hub, I'm talking to Kate Schrader, broker for the Dunedin Dream Brokerage, and David Green, whose latest collaboration with The Dream, Bruno Sunskin, opened at 343 George Street on the 29th of July. Um, It was up for 10 days and it will be up until the 8th of August. Um, We've just been talking about how um, the the thin skin idea has been... um, projected out onto the street onto the street and actually sort of physically um not physically <laughs> film wise photonically uh, thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> photonically um projected onto buses and cars and people you know mm, so you mm. might walk past and find that you know you've got little crab eggs <laughs> on, <laughs> on your coat <laughs> yes, that's right <laughs> yeah i think that's fantastic and um so 
this, um, so you, first of all, we had um, the Queen, which was quite interesting because um, I think I was four. Now you know how old I am, everybody. <laughs> when the Queen came to New Zealand, um, she was, I was in Auckland. And um, so that was quite an interesting but different to the celebration of the bodies of water in, in New Zealand, yes. Aotearoa, and uh, this work, which is... An aw- a very strong awareness of environmental um, issues, and mm-hmm. and would you say that you have had more interest in this one? Do you think? I suppose it's hard to tell. Well, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. There was a lot of interest in the um, in in the la- the uh, the last uh, project, uh, the water project. Mm. Um, Which was at the same address. It was at that same address, mm. yeah. Um, so there was a lot of it. I would say probably equal, you know, possibly equal to that one. There wasn't... The 1954 one was funny because um, I think it was perceived as sort of someone who is kind of a, a royalist, uh, fetishist kind of thing. That's right. Um, and in fact, <laughs> the reason why I was interested in it was because because what was filmed along with the Queen was Dunedin. And Dunedin in 1954 was this incredibly depressed, kind of bizarre, like unrecognizable other world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, that's why I was interested. And in it. It, it just so happened that there was all this footage because all the amateur filmmakers were filming the Queen. And so I was interested in the bycatch, yes. right? Um, but, yes. but so, so I think for that, it was like people who came who were like royalists, you know, and whatever, <laughs> and wanted to see the Queen. So that, that got a little bit mis- uh, it was a little bit miscast yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Um, of course, because they were the focus, um, whereas the last two have had a slightly different focus. They are, and the, yeah, yeah, and they're more... Um, and also the images I'm using are fragments. They are... You can get caught up in them as as fragments or as pieces of motion. Mm. So there's, there's it's a different... It's a different approach, um, but also the other one I was sort of trying to keep as a dark cave for projections, and this one I went, no, that's wrong, actually. Mm. You have to do it at night and actually spill, be spilling out so that people people can decide whether they're interested or not. Rather, you know, if you're in a dark space going, come into my dark space, mm. I mean, you're kind of committed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's it's, right. yeah, yeah. It's, too, it's, too, it's not fair, really, in a way. It puts people on the spot a little bit. It does. Um, it does. And, and like, again, you don't, you know, you, you kind of want to have the freedom to choose what mm. you're engaging with. Yeah. Yeah. And we're a little bit reticent here in Dunedin. Mm. Um, well, yeah. and yeah, and most people are. I mean, I think, you know, and there, but then there are the people who just charge in. It's yes. quite, it's really interesting. It's it's quite cool. It's quite a social study, isn't it? It is. Oh, of course it would yeah. be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, from the point of view of the artistic element, um this is quite aspects of it like I've seen other of your work and even without thinking about what it is it's very beautiful your work is very beautiful Mm. um yeah would you agree Kate absolutely it's um I was just thinking when you were talking David it's quite meditative or, or almost hypnotic like and I think I really loved like on the evening we had an opening evening on the first day and um my favorite thing about particularly your projects is when people walk past and they stop and they say, what is this? Is this art? I just love hearing that question um, <laughs> because it's a great, it's a great question. Is mm-hmm. it? What mm-hmm. is it to you? Mm-hmm. And what, what is the reaction that you get from it? And I think part of that is how beautiful and striking the work is. It just draws people in and gets them asking those questions. 
And it's it's an invitation in a in a way. But the thing that I found about it, which I've never I never really engaged with before, is this is it becomes a kind of a relational aesthetic operation because people are saying, "Is this out?" or because they're asking you questions about things. You have these great interactions, mm. you know, mm. as Kate was saying, mm. um, with people who may be afraid of art, you know, as some kind of big deal. Um, and you can sort of bring it in just mm. to a conversation and to a kind of contact that's really nice. Yes, I think that's um, dependent a lot on the personality of the person who, or people who are involved in the project. Mm. Um, and so you're very open and easy to talk to, and I think that's probably helped heaps with okay. this mm. particular kind of yeah. project. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think that's probably all I would like to say about the project at the moment, unless you can think of something else, because I haven't seen it, and I have to go. Oh, okay. I yeah. have to go before. Yeah, Sunday. come and see it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, three, uh, three more nights, I guess. So just yeah. at night. Yeah, um, uh, it's just at night, so it starts at like five thirty or mm -hmm. six, um, you know, and then and when you can begin to see it, and I've opened up through the space. Um, which I hadn't done before mm. when I used it, and that's really lovely. There's a there's a skylight, so that when the lights go down, um, it it really starts to go. Um. But there's actually this little moment, you know, between five thirty and six, where the light is coming down. And it's quite nice, mm. and it's a beautiful interior. It's where um, Echo Records used to be. Oh uh, goodness, yes, mm. I remember. <laughs> yep. So it's lovely. I mean, it's really lovely. That back area is great, you know, with balustrades and, and things. Yeah. It's cool. And speaking of um, Echo, that uh, record shop, sorry, mm -hmm. um, do you have sound? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so my sound um, was done by my eldest, uh, Ro, who is a musician, you know, around town. Yes. And um, plays, uh, uh, they play... Uh, saxophone and violin. In this instance, uh, it was uh, soprano saxophone and baritone saxophone. And and what I did was um, had Ro come in and just start to respond because I had it I had it installed fairly much by this time. It was like maybe a couple of days before the opening, so there was enough there to know what it was mm -hmm. what it was like. And um, and so. So uh, Ro was responding, and uh, and then I took a bunch of samples, and then mixed it together that night, and it, it mixed together like a dream. It just it wasn't it would just went together, mm. um, and so it's and then I took I took that mix and and I have it playing kind of answering itself from two sides ah. of this space, and 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 there are moments where it's almost like you know the kakako, the kakako, um, the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life was when I was I was I was filming something uh, I was filming actually an Air New Zealand commercial many years ago and we um, we went to a forest where there were still kakakos and there was they had a way of bringing the kakakos in which was kind of weird and but it was a recording of a kakako and man alive if you ever hear uh, the interaction of song between two kakakos because whenever you hear them recorded you always hear the one right right in my life, I have never heard anything as beautiful as this. Um, they are so complex, and that's that beautiful sound anyway. But um, but when they're 
you know, when they're doing their interaction. Oh my God. So, um, but anyway, but for, that's another thing. But anyway, <laughs> there's a, there's a moment here because of the complexity of, of the playing where you have that, you have sort of the, this kind of interweaving of sound coming from two different parts of the room. And it just, it's, it works amazingly well. So, and, and really all credit to Roe. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. That sounds really good as well. Uh, good compliment um or in itself also probably very very creative um your accent has made the kokako sound oh, like sorry some, <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking mm, south american jungle <laughs> right oh no sorry sorry yeah that's all right i just thought i'd say so that people would know right understand what you were talking about. yeah that was yes. that would be very special hearing that so mm. you have been very lucky no i know very i know lucky. it was um yeah i've never heard anything before or since like it no. fantastic mm. so good to have that as a memory um, so I think what we might do is just round up with Kate um, talking about some of the earlier projects mm-hmm. uh, by further artists and creatives and how individuals and groups within our creative communities uh, could get involved with the Dream Brokerage. You know, how do they go about doing that? Of course. So this project is actually, it's either our 53rd or our 54th. Wow. I know, which is, it's a lot. Um, so we've had such a rich program over the years since we've been running and so much variety in the types of projects we've supported. Um, and of course, my predecessor, Tamsin, um, looked after a lot of those too. Um, that some highlights, of course, are David's projects. Um, we've had theatre, dance, um, visual art, community sort of um, hubs. Um, the, the Games Museum is one that all, people always bring up still to this day, the fantastic um, Games Museum with all the retro games on George mm. Street. Um, and then last year a highlight was our Bubbles project where during lockdown and then sort of post-lockdown as we were all sort of feeling our way through that strange time um, doing our project of highlighting the work that artists were making during their time kind of, you know, locked, locked away. away yeah. um, and it being kind of related to where they live and their place and celebrating that they're from here in Dunedin and specific parts of Dunedin. Um, that was another real highlight. But in terms of what projects we look for, we're open to anything. Um, you know, if someone's got something that particularly they feel doesn't quite fit in a traditional creative space. So David's talked a bit about, you know, that kind of being able to engage people and bring them in and get people who might not necessarily engage with like a tra- traditional, I don't know, gallery or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, we're really interested in projects like that. Um, but we're always open to a conversation um, and the easiest way to get in touch is to pop into the fringe office I'm there most days um, to flick us an email dunedendreambrokerage at gmail.com um, we have a website dunedendreambrokerage.nz we're also on Instagram and Facebook you can flick us a message there like I'm everywhere you can't miss me <laughs> <laughs> and I mean you could just google Dunedin yeah, Dream absolutely. Brokerage and yeah. we'll be one of the first things that comes up I'm working on our, our search results oh good oh, okay. <laughs> it's an ongoing project yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that sounds really good. Um, so, so listeners, if you um, you know have a slight sort of creativity bent, uh, or um, are, are an artist who has been trying to get your art out there, um, then this could be your opportunity to um, have a go. And don't forget um, to um, go and have a look at the work by David. Um, and I think that the, um, I didn't say anything about it, but I think Bruno's Thin Skin is a wonderful title. It immediately grabs your attention and you go, 
what is this? Is mm. this somebody? <laughs> is this somebody who takes offence really easily? Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think um, you know Bruno. I mean, and, but it, it is an actual fact. The world is taking offence at what we're doing to it in yeah. a way. Yeah, mm. I think so. So thank you so much, both of you, for being on um, this week's Arts Hub, um, Kate and David. The Dunedin Dream Brokerage is a great opportunity for artists and creatives within our community and an important asset for all of us here in Otipoti. Um, and Dunedin's exhibition is on until Sunday the 8th, so do go along. 5.30 start? Yeah, five, five thirty-six dusk, you know. Yep, dusk, dusk, yeah. and dusk is getting um, late, a little bit later. It is, so it, it is. is. It is and quite, until about 10, yeah. you know, thereabouts. Yep. Okay, so thank you so much. Thank Great. you. Thank you, Linda. Oh, and just before I um, hear the music, I would just like to let you know that we have chosen the Villains. It's called Bird Dog. Oh.
You've been listening to Arts Hub, our weekly spotlight on the arts scene in Otipoti, Dunedin. Thanks to Sonia Lacey, visiting artist at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, and to Kate Schrader, broker for the Dunedin Dream Brokerage, and David Green, artist, for joining us today. If you'd like to listen again to this programme or past editions of the show, you'll find podcasts of Arts Hub from ORFM's website oar.org.nz, And on next week's programme, you'll hear about a new crafts hub for migrants and from Neil Howe, artist, whose three-dimensional assemblages are influenced by a particular kind of music. Takite. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.